Here's that song we all know and love. Blau und Weiß, ein Leben lang. Hallo meine Lieben, wie geht's? Willkommen zum Das Einziger Schalke Podcast auf Englisch. That's right, folks. Officially the world's only English Schalke Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Let me start off by thanking you back for tuning in and listening to our show. We really appreciate it. Schalke fans are some of the greatest fans in the world, many of whom speak English. This pod aims to, aims to bring you the latest from the Royal Blues, talk to the English-speaking fans of the club and get the point of view, and bring you game highlights. We'll also pick out articles on the club and talk a little bit about them. I, I don't do this alone. Bringing in back to the show, Jack Mangan. How you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing good. How you doing, Richard? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I, I wish we had uh, three points to be cheer about this weekend, but um, we'll, we'll get to that. At least it wasn't a loss. Yep, a lot of draws recently for us. Yeah, yeah, that is uh, the curious case of the, uh, the our goal. Our goals have been drying up, it seems. Definitely, I'll, I'll take this unbeaten streak, though. Can't complain about it too much. That is I w- absolutely. We could be on the other side of the Ruhr Valley, huh? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, before we get to anything, there's some breaking news this morning. Um, as you and I were speculating, that we thought. Peter Bosch could be let go before Christmas, and in fact, Peter Bosch has been let go by Dortmund. Peter Stoger has taken over. Uh, that name may sound familiar. That's because he was in charge of Cologne before uh, when they drew us, and then right after that game, they let him go. So he is a new manager for Dortmund. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, so how do you like that? Peter Stoger gets uh, released by Cologne, and then he gets rewarded for being in last place with Cologne with the Dortmund job. Uh, yeah, talk so about a, got, that's a bonus for the Christmas. Yeah, quick uh, reversal of fortunes for him. But, uh, you know, he, he did a good job with Cologne. Obviously, an unfortunate start to the season for them, the way things were. But he, he has, he's done a good job with them in the past. Um, when, you look at, when you look at who's available on the market as far as coaches go, it's, it, it's slim picking. So... Um, I, you know, I, th- I know some people were talking about, you know, Lucien Favre or, you know, what have you. But uh, Stoker should do a good job for them. Uh, he should shore up their defensive issues that they've had recently, hopefully settle them down a little bit. And then maybe Dortmund can uh, climb back up the table. Not too high, but <laughs> maybe a little bit. As <laughs> long as they don't pass us. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, all right. Well, let's get more. Let's get back to the important things in hand. Uh, today on the Schalke podcast rundown, we're going to recap the match against uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. Say that 10 times fast. And uh, after that, we're going to talk about a little bit of Weston, oh, Weston, Weston McKinney. Sorry, Weston. Didn't mean to mess up your name there. All right, let's take it away. Big game, number three against number four in the standings. Only one point separating the. Actually, they're yeah, they're one point separating the two. Um, Schalke's one point ahead. Um, this game would be taking place at Borussia Park. Uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. How impressed have you been with them this season? Yeah, good season uh, so far. Challenging for Champions League spots, certainly a, a European spot. Um, you know, as we talked about last week, a little bit of mixed form coming into the game. Uh, knocked off Bayern a couple weeks ago, but then yeah. lost right-handedly to uh, Wolfsburg the week before. So um, didn't know what to expect from them coming in here, but we ended up getting a pretty good contest. When that we did. Um, this game featured two of the best teams in, off of set pieces in terms of goals. Uh, Schalke number one in the league with 11 goals off set pieces. Mönchengladbach right there behind him with 10 goals. Um, we, as, as it is with all our Schalke games and, and it apparently with the Gladbach games, uh, set pieces are a crucial part, and it seems that both teams know how to score off of these. Um, good for us, uh, but also it's, 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 a, it's a tough task when you uh, face a team that just can score just as well uh, just as well as you, huh? Yeah, and honestly, I'd like to see Schalke score more goals from, from open play. I mean, it's, it's never a bad thing to be able to be effective on set pieces and we certainly are we're obviously one of the better teams in the Bundesliga at that um I worry sometimes that we are over reliant on that I think uh, I have to I have to check this but I want to say of all the goals that we've scored this season um only around 50 percent of them have come from open play the rest have come from set pieces corners penalties you know what have you um and I think that's contributing to some of our offensive struggles to some extent that we have a difficult time breaking down teams 
Honestly, I think we've probably scored more than 50% off of set pieces, which is the scary part, um, considering, like I said, open play is where you want to see a majority of your goals, I think. I mean, it's nice to have it in your back pocket, that set piece goal, but um, yeah, it just, uh, it's 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 like a striker who, you only have a one-dimensional team, a striker can only score, and he's the only person scoring, but when he stops scoring, what then, right? No one else is backing him up, so it's kind of that in that same situation. Um, so yeah, let's get to the lineups here um, for Gladbach. Uh, a typical lineup for them: they had Sommer and Net, they got Elvedi, Ginter, Vestergaard, uh, Vent, Hazard, who's a who's a brother of uh, Eden Hazard over at Chelsea. Yeah, he's he's good. Thorgan Hazard is very good. Um, not quite as good as his brother, but he's good. Yeah, Kramer. Uh, Zachariah, a, a good young kid. Grifo, who's good. Raphael and Lars Stindl, who is uh, arguably the best player on their team. Uh, for Schalke, though, the lineup would line up like this. Farman in net. He's the captain. Carrer, Naldo, and Astasic in the back. In the midfield, you had Kalajiri, McKinney, Meyer, and Ochipka. And then up top, you had Harit and Mbolo playing behind Di Santo. Where do you want to start with this lineup? Well, I thought the interesting thing was that uh, at least for the first 20 minutes or so, um, Mbolo was actually playing out on the right and Caligari was playing on the left, which is opposite where he normally plays. Yeah. Um, and then they ultimately switched that and Caligari kind of got back um, to that right side, which I think is probably a good thing because I, you know, Mbolo defensively might be a little deficient and you really have to run, run the field from the positions they're kind of playing in. But um yeah, I mean, fairly typical. We we talked in the past about whether or not Kara was going to come back in on that right side for Stan Bully, and he did. Um, and then, uh, you know, I would have liked to see Bergstaller starting. Um, we've talked about Franco DeSanto every week, um, and, and I'm sure he will a little bit later today as well. Uh, but yeah, beyond that, fairly fairly typical. A lot of the same names we've been used to seeing. Goretzka out with that injury, which seems to be kind of worrying, like a long-term thing um, that he's having trouble fully healing from, but... Uh, that gives an opportunity to to Weston McKenney, and that's that's a great thing from the American point of view. Absolutely, and the only way anyone can develop, as we've been saying, is getting on the pitch and playing. You can't just get better doing practice. Uh, it did seem like Goretzka had a little bit of a setback in, in uh, practice this week and re-aggravated the injury, hence hence why he hasn't he's, he hasn't been on the starting eleven at all. Um, I don't was he even on the bench. I don't remember if he was on the bench or not. No, I don't believe so. I think he's been ruled out for maybe a couple of weeks. Yeah, um, yeah. He's got this recurring, like I think it's like a shin or bone injury or something. And it, it seems that uh, I, th- I thought it, maybe it was a stress fracture, a very minimal like hairline kind of thing. And uh, they thought he was maybe recovered from it. But I think they're going to try to keep him out a little bit longer term and make sure it, it fully heals so that he can you know come back and be in there consistently. Yeah, no. And, uh, you know, like kind of like we said with the with this lineup, we thought if uh, – Nastasic, when he's healthy, he would probably be in the lineup. And who would he replace, Carrer or Sambuli? We both thought Sambuli would be the case. And like you said, uh, that's where he was put in there. Carrer is very uh, versatile. He can play with it on the right side or the left side. Um, he's a good player, good young player. And you need to see. You need he needs to get on the pitch and get um, get better, just like McKinney does. Uh, so it's good to see him out there. Uh, we would see Sambuli later in the game. Um, you know, the lineup is pretty typical. That man, DeSanto, I think today marked his, or Saturday marked his 50th appearance for Schalke, and he only has three goals. You were pretty much saying this last week. He has done nothing pretty, for the most part for Schalke, offensively yeah, wise. You know? Yeah, and I think, I think I tweeted this out at some point. The, I, I want to say it was maybe around the 17th minute. He, he, he attempted a cross crossfield pass and it was a bad one he gave the ball away and it kind of started the break from uh for Gladbach and I realized at that moment that was the first time I had heard his name in about the first 20 minutes yeah yeah um and that was one of the last times I heard his name as well uh you know we talked about before he he does a great job in in the pressing when Schalke does that but beyond that at least from an offensive perspective he's just anonymous for very long stretches of the game um, and it's not like he pops up in a crucial moment and, and then scores a goal and makes up for it. He, I mean, as you said, he has three goals in his Bundesliga career with Schalke. Um, and he's not giving you a whole lot else. You know, he's not, yeah. you know, he's not contributing, you know, uh, key runs or key passes or anything. He's not, he's not really involved in the holdup play all that much. He's really just out there taking up space and, um, 
it's getting to the point, and I'm sure you know some people will think I'm crazy for this. I'd almost rather see like Fabian Reza out there. You know, right, put the young right. kid in, see, see what he has. And I mean, he hasn't impressed me really in the cameos that he's had over the past season or two. But um, I think I've seen enough of DeSanto t- to know what he gives you. And at the moment, it's it's basically nothing. Three goals in fifty games. I think Naldo's had more than that in that in that time span. Um, yeah, it's not not something you want from a striker. Now, being being anonymous in a game and not hearing their name much, you wouldn't it wouldn't bother you if it was Max Meyer because that means he's doing a good job and he's shutting down the other team. Uh, but you don't want you your striker you your striker and your wingers. You want to be hearing that name up pop up throughout the game because that means they're attacking the other team. And if you don't hear their name, that means obviously they're not doing something right. Um, Maybe he's doing something off the ball that Dominico Tedesco sees, but as far as what we see on the game from a television perspective, it doesn't look like he's doing a whole much. And I and I, I seen a lot of Shaka fans on Twitter with the same reaction as us. Uh, I I mean maybe there is a DeSanto fan club somewhere I don't know, but um, from what I've seen on Twitter, it doesn't seem like many people are too pleased with him right now. Yeah, if there was a DeSanto fan club, I'd like to bring you know somebody on from that fan club and <laughs> and ask him what their deal is because I don't get it. <laughs> well, to move away, something a little bit a uh, little bit different from that. Um, going into when they when the teams were walking out, I did notice that uh, Gladbach they were wearing the jersey of Mamadou Dukore. Um, he's a injured teenager for them. Um, I guess he's had he's had injury problems. Last year he was injured all year. They thought he was going to come back this week, and he re aggravated his injury. He was out again. So I guess it's, to show some team spirit, they all wore his jersey out there. Um, I'm surprised he could get that many jerseys you know, so they could wear. But anyway, um, I thought that was a nice gesture by by Gladbach. And uh, as we did last week before the game, there was a, a touching moment for a fallen Schalke member um, from the old guard. And for this game, you had the same thing from Gladbach. Um, yeah, so you know, start off the game. Um, it's, it's, the, the difference between this game and then the Dortmund game that was played earlier in the day um, Dortmund and, and Bremen, they look like two teams with no confidence, unsure about themselves, the way they were attacking or, or lack of attacking. But in this game, you can see that these are two te- two confident teams, uh, both teams that are willing to attack, who are who know what they're doing, are very disciplined. Um, uh, Chalka started out attacking very much in the, in the, in the beginning of the game. Uh, in the fourth minute or so, Chipka had a corner kick, and uh, Tilo Carrer, the guy we just talked about, um, had a header. Unfortunately, it was right into the hands of Sommer. Um, there was a, some interplay a couple minutes later that I liked between Imbolo, McKinney, and Carrer. Well, Carrer, I think, ultimately ended up being offsides. But uh, they were stringing a one-two touch passes uh, in the opposition's box. And uh, that's I think that all comes from Tedesco with that passing, quick passing that, that breaks open the defense, huh? Yeah, you know, you talked about Kara's versatility earlier. You know, for somebody who plays a center back position, he's he's very athletic. He's got speed. He's um, he can really get up the pitch. Uh, and, and he was making you know some of those runs off the shoulder on the right side, trying to get involved in the attack, be an outlet. Uh, and that was yeah, that was good to see. Obviously, he had the header as you mentioned, and then he, he popped up just a couple minutes later. Um, you know, a little bit offside there, but uh, you know, adding another dimension to the Schalke attack, one more person, you know, on an overlapping run to cover, and that was. Good to see from him. He had, he was off to a bright start. Yeah, and for those of you who are like don't understand where we're coming from, in the, in this formation that Tedesco puts out, uh, the wingers Kalajiri and Ochipka are the ones who overlap and, and get into the attack. But when you add one of your center backs coming down and, and doing and doing that, and you see how versatile he is, uh, it just adds another dimension that other team, little wrinkle that other teams aren't expecting. And you didn't you didn't see too much of this this season. Sure, Stembuli had his runs every now and then, but. Um, I thought Carrera was much more lively than we had seen any any center back for Schalke this season to date. I don't know about if you felt the same way, but that's how I felt. Yeah, definitely. I think Stan Bowie, when he's back there, is just kind of do there. Uh, he's he's back there, just kind of do a job, be be involved in the possession, um, and, and you know try to try to hold on on the defensive end as much as possible. And and Carrera certainly brings a little bit more physicality um, and, and a spark going forward than than Stan Bowie might. Yeah, yeah. Um... You know, I I did notice. You know, I said Chaco had a lot of chances early on, uh, as did Gladbach. Uh, they looked very dangerous from the onset. Um, Chaco though were playing defense as a team, and they, they were looking much better than they had in in the previous weeks in terms of giving up too many chances. Um, uh, how how 
how worried were you about the about the Gladbach attack? Every you know, seeing them go, keep going down the field and getting their chances. Yeah, I was very worried. Um, even you know, even coming into the game, we talked about on the last pod how I, how I felt if if Schalke was going to get a result here, they were going to have to um, revert to sort of the defensive form that they they showcased for much of the season prior to that that derby game against Dortmund when they conceded four goals, um, and even last week against Cologne when they let up a couple, and uh, they certainly did that today. But uh, and, and I think they needed to because Gladbach, as you said, very dangerous, and um, this match more so in the second half, but. It was pretty open. There's a lot of end-to-end stuff. It was certainly an entertaining match, despite the the end result. Um, a player that Gladbach has that is uh, that I've been very impressed with is Denis Zakaria. Um, he had plenty of opportunities in this game. There was a play early on, I think inside ten minutes, uh, where he pretty much beat everybody. But uh, the guy we haven't seen much of this season, Nastasic, shut him down. Um, it's good to have. So, a solid defender like that. I mean, Naldo is great, but he he needs to be at the center of the center of the park there and in, in the defense. And when you got you need to have guys on the wings uh, to his left and his right who he can depend upon. Um, and the sausage hasn't been there that, that much this season, so it's good to see that uh, despite having the lack amount of games so far, he's uh, he seems up to the task already. Yeah, good to see him back. Um, and he does an excellent job of that, as you said, especially when you know an opponent is kind of uh, making a run off the shoulder towards the end line, um, sealing that out, coming in with a crucial block, that sort of thing. You know, preventing crosses from getting in. Um, and he did that a couple times today. Yeah, and I and I know I noticed that uh, during the match, you I think you sent a, sent out a tweet about uh, talking about Shaka's high press. Um, I did notice on a couple times during the high press. They were very defensively organized, at least in the beginning. Um, they were keeping a, a hexagonal, I guess, pressure, kind of like, you know, a, a keeping good structure. I, I, we, I talked about this when I had um, uh, Carlo Vallardis on. We were talking about tactics. Um, and it seemed like Shaka in the defensive end, they were using like a 5-4-1 formation. Um, and it seemed that McKinney was pressing really high, like he was one of the strikers, and Imbolo was really back to the right. And they kept that shape pretty well, and it seemed like every time the ball moved to either side, the, the hexagonal uh, hexagonal shape would shift to whichever side it was. Um, is that something? Well, what'd you make at least with you know seeing like McKenny up there pressing high, and then Mbolo and and, and Harid dropping back behind him. <laughs> Yeah, that was interesting. I did notice that early into the match, you know, you get DeSanto, uh, you know, the furthest up and then kind of flanking him on either side, you know, Harit and, and McKinney and then further back Caliguri and, and Bolo kind of in, you know, sort of like a Christmas tree type yeah, yeah. Um, shape there. Uh, yeah, that was interesting to see McKinney, who is, you know, kind of a holding midfielder, be that advanced um, up the pitch, often, oftentimes like level with DeSanto. And that was uh, that was an interesting wrinkle. Yeah, yeah, and maybe it's just because of the speed or just how the fact uh, his aggression that they used uh, McKinney to, to their advantage. Um, moving on a little bit in the game, and um, we like I said, we said in the opening, Gladbach are very dangerous on set pieces in the 14th minute. Uh, Gladbach had a corner kick. Uh, it, it came in. Ginter got a good header on it, but it was right to Ralph Farman, who made a nice save. Um, that was... At that point, it was good. Good to see. I mean, you can see Gladbach already showing how dangerous they can be off set pieces. Um, but you fast forward less than ten minutes later, uh, another corner kick. I forget who it was who took the who took the corner. Kramer eventually got the got the loose ball and put it in the net. And that would be one nothing for for Gladbach. Uh, what'd you make of that defending of that and that, and that goal? Yeah, I think it was Torgan Hazard on on set piece duty um, right, right, for, right. For, for most of the game. Um, I don't think it was it was terribly defended except for Mbolo, who was kind of caught ball watching there. Um, he was the closest person to Christoph Kramer, and uh, Kramer just ran back post completely unmarked. Um, and I think that probably would have been in Bolo's man in that situation. I don't know if they were going for zonal or something, but um, yeah. And so at least from Mbolo, lazy, um, you know, the ball was coming in a little bit higher up the box. So he was, you know, he, I, he just lost his man, you know, end of story. And um, 
yeah, it was it was redirected to Kramer, who, who went back post and he just sneaked in there right before Fairman can block it. Not certainly not Fairman's fault. Yeah, no. Um, I mean, I mean, Kramer did what a forward should be doing or an attacker should be doing on on a set piece and going far post because uh, you you never know when a ball might get there. And Mbolo just didn't didn't I guess showing his forward skills and not playing defense uh, in that situation. And like you said, Fairman was help, held helpless there. Um, so. Going down one nothing at Borussia Park, never a good thing. Um, we were having chances so far, but it's it's a tall task to to go down on the road, especially a place like that, and hope to get away with a result. Um, we thought uh, things would get worse. It was uh, around the 40th minute or so. Um, Caligiri was down on the, to the right of Fireman, and he got pushed off the ball. Um, ball came into the into the into the box. Gladbach ultimately will score, or no, sorry, he got uh, Naldo took out the the, the Gladbach attacker. Um, referee called penalty. I'm thinking, oh great, I mean, it looked like a penalty to me, and it was a penalty. I mean, really, but uh, referee went to VAR. Luckily for us, uh, after going to VAR, he saw that a few seconds earlier, uh, Caligiri was in fact fouled by the. Uh, but the Gladbach forward, and he waved it off and gave possession to Schalke. Con- very controversial call in the game. Um, what did you make of that whole situation? Yeah, so this was this was very interesting for me. Um, I'm not going to pretend that I have examined every VAR um, usage that's happened in the Bundesliga this season, um, but I wasn't really aware that was something that VAR could do. Um, yeah, neither did I. <laughs> But when, yeah, when Stindl goes down, because uh, I believe Naldo caught caught his leg there, um, you know, in the in the ref gets the you know VAR involved, you're, you're expecting that to be to be used to determine whether or not it was a penalty or if it was simulation, you know, what have you. Right. Um, and I certainly was not expecting them to then go back and say, well, actually, it doesn't matter whether or not it was a penalty because you know, 10, 15 seconds prior to that, the refs missed. Um, a foul on Caligari, and we're actually going to bring it all the way back there and then give Schalke a free kick. I think Gladbach fans were just like, where did that come from? Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, because as as they're going to VAR, you're watching the replays, and you're like, yeah, yeah, you know, it's probably a penalty, and then it just it completely came out of nowhere. So um, that was interesting for me, and I it really kind of raises the question for me, you know, how far back in a sequence can you go Um you know, when you get VAR involved to kind of to kind of make a ruling, because uh, you know, is it is it ten seconds? Is it is it thirty seconds? Like, you know, where can you you know uh, make a decision about something that affected a play later on? And I thought that was, I mean, I would love to hear if anybody has input on that because I was um, surprised to see that, but obviously fortuitous for Schalke, um, especially because just a couple minutes earlier the VAR had <laughs> confirmed uh, an offside call as well. So we dodged a couple bullets there in the span of you know two or three minutes. Yeah, um, you know, Shaka already had been on the hot seat with with VAR. Uh, one of the one of the head guys for VAR was a known Shaka supporter. Uh, they they thought he was maybe manipulating the cause for in Shaka's favor and different games, blah 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 blah. And then this happens, so uh, yeah, it's never it's never something good. Like like you said, where did they draw the line? Um, maybe referee looked at it as. When the play happened, he said, "Okay, I'm gonna let the play go on. As long as nothing happens, I'm gonna forget about it." But then, since a goal did um, happen because of it, they went back. So, I mean, because you know, sometimes they do it with yellow cards and stuff like that, where they don't let the play go on, then they go back. But usually, if it affects the game, I mean, yeah, yeah but he wasn't really playing advantage in that sense because yeah, uh, yeah. he was. I mean, if he was, he was playing advantage for Gladbach after Gladbach committed a foul on Schalke, which doesn't right. make any sense. So, yeah, just a just a weird play in a in a weird application of that. But um, you know, it came out on the right side for us, so I'm not going to question it too much. No, no, but I'm sure in the next few days we'll probably hear something from the DFB about. Um, what the what the rules are or something like that so they can clear it up because i'm sure they don't want uh people questioning their decision making and, and the system that they're using um so well it'll be interesting in the next couple of days if anything comes out of that um so shaka fortunately because of that uh going to halftime only down one nothing when it could have been two or three um but luckily we had some calls go our way uh first half i think gladbach they are the better of the two teams. Uh, they're getting more possession, getting more shots. Um, what did you make of Schalke's chances in that first half, or lack thereof, really? 
Yeah, we had some good possession at times, but it was possession that lacked a whole lot of penetration. Um, it was a lot of, uh, you know, horizontal balls kind of just changing the angle of attack, looking for, you know, a, um, a, you know, a weakness in the armor and didn't really get too much um, from that. Uh, you know, a couple chances here and there, but uh, certainly looks like we could have been you know, almost two or three down after the first half and we were fortunate not to be. Yeah, and uh, what I didn't, what I failed to mention earlier, when Kramer had scored off that corner kick, that actually was our eleventh set piece goal of the season, tying them with Schalke for the most in the Bundesliga. But yes, uh, Schalke being very fortuitous uh, with those calls, um, you can't always be good. Sometimes you have to be lucky. Uh, Schalke were definitely lucky in that situation or those situations, uh, and fortunate to be down only one nothing going into halftime. Uh, coming out in the second half. Schalke looked a different team. They were attacking better, get more possession of the ball, um, had a lot more opportunity. I thought Caligiri had a very good second half. Um, I think that switch that you were talking about earlier, um, him going back on the right, really made him feel more comfortable and getting him to play the way he, he has been all season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's where he's normally been, um, and he's been pretty effective there, especially recently. Um, and, yeah, once that switch happened, you, you kind of unleashed him a little bit. Um, so game, the, the second half would continue on. Um, everyone was wondering, I saw a lot of people on Twitter saying, DeSanto out, Bergstaller in. Um, yeah, I was one, I was one of them. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, I was as well. Um, and in the 60th minute, Bergstaller would come in, but not for DeSanto. It would be for Brielle and Bolo. Um, good move. Okay with it. Bad move. What'd you think of that? Yeah, I think the uh, the the play by play commentator on the uh, the stream I was watching, you know, saw Bergstaller warming up and was like, oh, you know, maybe Bergstaller for DeSanto, and I was like, yeah, definitely. And then the color commentator mentioned that he thought it was going to be um, for Mbolo, and I was like, why? Like, why would you do that? Like, <laughs> what has DeSanto done for the first hour of this game? I mean, absolutely nothing. You know, Mbolo had. Um, I'm not saying he was, you know, lighting the world on fire, but it, 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 a couple different times, you know, with his hold up play, making a great run, you know, with his balance and, and his strength to hold yeah. off a defender. Um, he's just, he's just so much more dynamic. And so, yeah, anyway, so, um, ultimately it is Mbolo that goes off. Um, it's not like he had a yellow card or anything. Just, I don't know if it was, you it know, fitness. Or, yeah. It, it could be because he hasn't been playing all that much, but, um, yeah, I was, I was scratching my head at that one or at least, you know, at least disappointed. Um, you know, the, the commentator was like, yeah, now you got, you know, two big bodies up there. And I'm like, and both those big too. Why you got to take them off? Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, no. Yeah. I was a head scratcher for me. Um, but it seemed that move did pay dividends. Um, not necessarily with, with what, uh, Bergseller did, but, um, Caligiri, he was, he was, he felt more at home back on the right side. He made his darting run, uh, down the right side, went around defenders, uh, let in a cross. Kalajiri does well. And Vestergaard's own goal has leveled the match. One goal each. Yannick Vestergaard for so many times this season. A score at the right end for Gladbach. The own goal from Kalajiri's cross. And we're all square at the Borussia Park. An own goal by Vestergaard. Um... You hate to, you hate when own goals happen unless they happen for you. Um, so as a Schalke fan, I am happy that they went in. Uh, you saw you saw the face of Vestergaard after they went in. He's like, come on, really? We're playing so well in this game, and that happens. Um, that seemed that seemed to settle Schalke down with that goal. Uh, what did you make of that play? Did you think Bergstaller would? I, I, I think he was trying to aim for Bergstaller in the far post, who was wasn't going to reach. It, I don't think. Did you think he could have reached it? Yeah, I'm not sure. It didn't look like it. I think we just really got lucky that we, you know, we were able to get one of those across the line pretty cheaply. Um, it was a great finish from Vestergaard. Um, it's kind of you know that sliding toe poke into the corner. Um, he should be striker. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe he's certainly good in the air. Um, better than DeSanto. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, you know, but like like we said earlier, just the reliance on something that's that's the second i think own goal that we've benefited from this season yep um and just that in the set piece is like we just struggle to break teams down and um you know to to have some of these var decisions save us and then to, to get the equalizer on an own goal it's just like 
you know, when are we going to actually be in some of these matches on the merit of our attacking going forward? That's that's my question. I feel like the last time we had a goal from uh, on the play was uh, Goretzka earlier in the season when he it was him and uh, Bergstaller hooked up and uh, Goretzka had the nice chip goal over the over the goaltender. I can't remember which game it was. Um, maybe it was Mainz. I can't remember. But uh, yeah, it's been a while since he scored from open play. Um, but I'll take a goal any way we can get it as one one at that point. Um, that's when you started seeing some substitutions come in. Uh, Stambouli came in for Carrer on the right there, which has seemed like an even swap right there. Um, Gladbach started making substitutions, trying to get in the game. Uh, Harit did come off later in the game for Kona Plyanka. Opportunities would go both ways. Um, the score would end 1-1, a draw on the road for Schalke. What did you make of the rest of the second half, and what were your thoughts on the game? Yeah, interesting that Stan Bully came back in um, for Kara. I don't think Kara was on a card or anything. Um, maybe, I mean, yeah, we, we talked about how Kara was was bright, you know, going forward earlier in the game. Um, I think later in the second half, he, he started to to fade a little bit, started making a couple defensive mistakes. Maybe, maybe Stan Bully was brought on just to kind of settle things down in possession or whatever. But um, that last opportunity was really um, that we had a break. I believe I want to say it was like the 87th minute or something along those lines. Um, and, and Caliguri, uh, got it forward to Bergstaller. It was, it was kind of like a three on two maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Konoplyanka is wide open on the, on the left side of that play, especially once Bergstaller gets into the box, makes a defender miss. I mean, if that is crossed over to Konoplyanka, that is, that is either a goal or it's an absolute howler of a miss. I yeah. mean, there's no middle ground. Like, I mean, he's going to score that or it's going to be, you know, all over, you know, highlight reels for how terrible of a. I mean, he had a, he had an open net. Mm-hmm. Um, Bergstar, a little greedy there. Um, you know, tried to do it himself. Almost, almost made it happen. Ultimately, we saved, and uh, that was an opportunity for us to uh, to steal all three very late. And uh, luckily for Gladbach, they were able to to nip that in the bud. Yeah, it's one of those plays where had he scored, he would have been looking like a genius. But he missed, and he looked like it was looked like a bonehead play because, like you said, it would have been three points in the bag. Or Potentially, I mean, you never, you don't know what Kanopianka is going to do, but he's he's pretty good when it comes to uh, shooting on net, especially if it's an open net. Um, yeah, sometimes the ends justify the means in those situations, and uh, when you don't come up with it and you have a teammate wide open, you end up looking uh, <laughs> looking pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I guess the way you can look at it too is that um, had they won that game, it would have looked like stolen points, considering what happened in the first half with the VAR calls um, against against uh, Gladbach. So. 20, hindsight 2020, a good point on the road. Chalka still in third place. Uh, they had a chance to leapfrog Leipzig, who who drew their game earlier. Um, but it wasn't meant to be. There were, what, two points behind uh, Leipzig now. Bayern looked like they're running away with the league. Um, yeah, a lot of those results, you know, must have been very pleasing to Bayern, who are now, what are they, you know, almost almost 10 points. Yeah, I think eight or uh, eight or nine, I think, yeah. Clear, yeah. I think everyone below them ended up drawing some of their matches. So they're just they're getting to the point where they're looking like they're going to run run away with it again. Yes, unfortunately, that is that is true. Um, I think Schalke need to focus on just trying to keep this Champions League spot. If you look at this game statistically, it was pretty even. Possession was fifty two forty eight. Both teams had thirteen shots. Um, lots of corner kicks, lots of crosses, lots of fouls. An even team, I would say. Gladbach and Schalke are where they, where they should be. They both look like two confident teams uh, who know how to play with the ball, uh, unlike other, some other teams in this league. Um, so, were you ultimately thrilled with the point or satisfied with the point? Yeah, given the circumstances, like we said, I, I don't think it was a particularly great performance from Schalke overall. And we definitely got lucky in a couple instances. So, um, to go up against a team like that on the road and come away with something uh, is is certainly. Uh, not a, you know, not something to be upset about. Um, would have liked to get a win over them and and try to keep, you know, securing our spot. I mean, we have about, I think we have twenty six points right now. Um, and Dortmund, who's all the way in eighth, only has they have twenty two. So it's not like there's a whole lot of separation between where we are in terms of those European spots yeah. and where a lot of other teams are. I think even all the way down into tenth, which is where Hanover is, they have twenty two points as well. So third place and in, in, in 10th place right now are separated by four points, which can really happen in the blink of an eye. Um, so, yeah, I would have liked to pick up those three and try to start building 
um, a little bit of a cushion for us to try to lock up, you know, a Champions League spot, which is, you know, where I think we all agree Schalke should be every year. Um, but, you know, fair result overall. I know I agree. Uh, Schalke fans, tell us what you what you make of the game against uh, Gladbach. Uh Tell us about it at SO4 underscore podcast on Twitter. All right, as you can tell by those clips, we're here to talk about Weston McKinney. Um, you know, he was in the lineup again. What, real quick, you know, what, what do you make of Domenico Tedesco continue, continuously going back to McKinney in the starting lineup? Do you think it's just more because Goretzka's out, or do you think because he sees something and he wants to try to bring him to his potential? Yeah, I think it might have something to do with Is Bentaleb injured as well long term? Bentaleb, I don't know for sure. Bentaleb, I know his performance has been up and down. Uh, all the goals he scored is through penalty kicks. Because uh, I know he had been some a healthy scratch early in the season uh, yeah. before, but uh, now I'm not positive. Yeah, but you know, there's a couple of those guys, you know, Max Meyer, Goretzka, Stambouli, even prior to his conversion to the you know the back, and then um, you know Bentaleb and McKenney. So, uh, I mean, yeah, good to see McKenney getting in there. Um, I think as as we talked about, it has a lot to do with sort of these nagging injuries that, that Goretzka has been dealing with. I think he's obviously going to be uh, starting over McKinney in that situation. Uh, were he healthy, he just, you know, he's he's a great player. He he brings you more on the offensive end, um, and he's no slouch defensively either. So, um, yeah, I mean, Goretzka, I, I don't want to say that McKinney, um hasn't earned his place in the team because I think he's he's done really well this season uh you know i think he only played one game prior to this season and that was a late cameo in the last game of the of the of the year last year exactly um yeah so it, to, to kind of be thrown into the fire a little bit he, he's he's doing really well overall yeah um he's like a little pit bull out there i think i feel like because uh he, he does a little dirty work that some other players don't want to do he gets he gets people agitated uh gets people to react which is good because if you can throw people off their game um, every team needs a player like that, and he also brings much more because he's he's he has talent to him. There's no doubt about that. Um, so there's an article that was in the Bundesliga Fanatic. If you don't if you don't follow them, you should follow them. They have some great great uh, great pieces that they put out there. Um, but this one was on Weston McKinney. It was by Josh Sippy. Uh, so it was, the article is called "Why Weston McKinney Matters So Much for Schalke 04." Uh, basically, what he goes into this article is talking about how. Um, over the last, uh, I don't know how many years, Schalke, they've been losing a lot of players and losing a lot of players for free. Some of the players that we've lost for free, um, Shad Kolasinic, Klaasian Huntelaar, Joel Matip. Uh, those are just a, just a few of the names. Um, you know, it's one thing if you lose them and you make some money off of them. Uh, it's another if you lose them and you don't get anything for them. Um, couple that with losing some stalwarts like Benedict Havidis, who who's a Schalke lifer basically, and then he goes... Um, it's, you know, it's, it's a precarious situation and you have two guys who are important to the team who, whose contracts are expiring also this summer. And that's uh, Leon Goretzka, Max Meyer, who potentially could lose them for free. We don't know yet what's going to happen. Um, so the story goes into, into talking about what missing, what Weston McKinney brings to the team. He, he compares him to Leon Goretzka a lot in this article. Um, do, right off the bat, do you think that's a, that's a fair assessment considering where Goretzka was two, three years ago? And where McKinney is right now? I mean, yeah, maybe at that point in his career, I think it's a fair. Not comparison. now, currently. Yeah, yeah, now. yeah, I don't think it's. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, McKinney's McKinney's done well. I'm not trying to make it seem like he hasn't. Uh, Goretzka is, you know, just at this point a little bit better. But it's important that McKinney is getting these minutes because, as you said, and as you know, as the article mentions, uh, both Max Meyer and Goretzka are, uh, you know, out of contract at the end of the year, and they could walk for free. Um, and so it's nice to, you know, have him getting minutes now rather than, you know, riding the bench for a lot of this season only to have those guys leave. And then he gets he gets thrown into a prominent starting position without a lot of matches under his belt. Yeah. And let's get for the record straight. You know, neither neither one of us, Jack or myself or Josh in this article are saying that Leon is the same as as Weston right now. Uh, I, I argued on the Tyler Dunn show that um, 
Leon Goretzka is arguably the best German uh, central midfielder in the Bundesliga right now. Um, so we're not we're not saying they're the same right now. But you know, two three years ago where Goretzka was, that's kind of where Weston McKinney is right now. Um, but luckily for Schalke fans, you know, with all these guys that they lost for free in the past, uh, he signed I think a five year extension with Schalke. So he's gonna he's gonna be with them at least until he's what twenty three, I believe it is. Yeah, I believe he's the longest contracted player for Schalke currently. I think it's like until at least twenty twenty two or something along those lines. So we are not in danger of losing him for nothing anytime soon, and that's good because you know as you said, I mean it. It's frustrating um, when we lose good young players. Um, every time we get a prospect that kind of comes through and really starts making an impact, we seem to be able to uh, unable, I should say, to to hold on to them. Whether it's you know Leroy Zane, Julian Draxler, um, you know Manuel Neuer back in the day. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and those guys we were able to get get something for, but as you said, far too often recently we've been letting really talented players go for nothing. And now, yeah, we're in that situation again where we have two of our best young players off contract. And, you know, if they, if they decide that they want to get a change of scenery um, and there's certainly good clubs that are trying to make it worth their while to do so, they're going to walk and we're not going to get anything for them. Yeah. And, and it's good. To, it's good. Shaka are locking up someone like him. He, he certainly has skill. Um, you need to lock up him and Bolo Harit, this young core. I mean, if you can keep Goretzka and Meyer even better, but um, you got to lock up a core, a young core, guys that can be with you for several years to develop as a team. Um, Cause that's, that's the best way to get better. Losing all these guys, uh, it's part of to why Schalke have got, fallen from Bundesliga contenders to Europa League to out of, out of where they were last year in 10th place. So uh, you need some stability for sure, I think. Yeah, it's not just Schalke. I mean, you've, you've seen the same thing happen to Dortmund o- yeah. over recent seasons, whether it's, you know, uh, you know Mats Hummels, uh, Lewandowski, uh, Goethe, who then ultimately came back. Yeah, same with Kagawa, um, you know, Gundogan, uh, Mkhitaryan. All, I mean, all these guys have left Dortmund. Um, it, it just seemed, I mean, these are big clubs too. Schalke's not a small club. Dortmund's, Dortmund's not a small club. Um, but it just kind of seems unless you're, you know, Bayern Munich or Real Madrid, Barcelona, Man City, you know, one of the, the, the very, very, very top teams in one of the big leagues, uh, you're unable to hold on to these guys. Yeah. Um, Wes, and Wes McKinney is certainly a player that we want. Um, one, because we're Americans and we and we, we, we want to see him do well also in the national team. But two, uh, he's with Schalke and he has a lot of talent that could help this team moving forward. Um, he's ball winning skills. He can certainly head the ball. He's a very good header of the ball. He can just get a little bit better on target. Um, his accuracy there, I think, he'll be uh, a big contributor along with like guys like Naldo and uh, some of the guys like Nastasic who are also good in in the uh, in the corner kick. Sorry, I just saw something pop up on my screen. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so um, that's what the article really talks about is you know holding on to McKinney for for five more years and it kind of. Uh, so we found this other article from Bundesliga.com, and it says 10 things you might not know about Schalke's USA Starlet. Uh, I'll go through each one. We'll talk a little bit about each one. Um, first one, he spent three years in Kaiserslautern as a child. Um, as most as most Americans that are in Germany, they're there because their parents are there with the military. Um, guys like John Brooks and Julian Green and Fabian Johnson are other guys who are prime examples. Um, is that a big surprise to you that he comes from a military family? No, yeah, it seems that's what a lot of our, uh, you know, dual nationals or people that have spent time in Germany are, you know, Rammstein Air Force Base or whatever. Um, yeah, but it, it's good to have those roots. Maybe that was something that partially contributed to him uh, taking that jump and going back over there. The fact that he had been there at some point, you know, earlier in his life. And uh, I think that was huge for his development. Now, is this, it's the same rule, I guess. Was it, I- I don't know if he was born there. I guess he was born in Texas, and then eventually they moved there. I, I don't remember exactly. Um, but he, his parents, he must either him or his parents must have a dual citizenship because he was able to play with Schalke. Oh no, it's actually he didn't go to Schalke until he was eighteen. Um, so scratch that. <laughs> let's move. <coughs> let's move on to our second uh, second things that you don't know about Weston McKinney. Actually, you should know this one. Um, he's known Christian Pulisic of Dortmund since he was thirteen years old. Um, and we've been talk- we talked a lot, a lot about it during the River Derby. Um, these two play with the U.S. Men's, US men's National Team uh, junior teams growing up, so they know each other quite well. They're good friends. They had spent Thanksgiving together. Um, most people should know this right now, don't you think? Yeah, definitely. They've certainly, uh, at least Bundesliga, has made, made a big deal out of it and sort of their 
their marketing campaigns towards U.S. audiences. Um, you know, when Pulisic has gotten big and now McKenney, they're really pushing him as well. You know, and for good reason. These are both good players. Um, yeah, but they go they go way back to you know their early uh, youth system days and um, spend Thanksgiving together, as you said. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing both of these guys on the pitch at the same time for the U.S. men's national team. Um, yeah, they're two they're two different players. Um, uh, Pulisic is definitely a an attacking type player with a lot of flair. McKinney, though, he seems to be more well rounded. Um, he has a defensive presence that Pulisic doesn't have. Um, they're definitely two different players that complement each other if they're on the field at the same time. Um, they're definitely not going to fight for the same position on the, on the on the field at any moment. Moving on to number three, apparently he could have played American football. He grew up in Texas. Texas is known for high school football and just football in general. Um, but, you know, despite his love of soccer, I guess, uh, you grew up in Texas, you're going to love football. Um, is that any surprise to you being a Texas boy, him him being a Texas boy, not you? Uh, you may be, I don't know. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Is, is any surprise to you that he was a big American football fan live, growing up in Texas? No, definitely not. I mean, and even if he wasn't from Texas, just living in America in general, um, there, there's so many sports that are big here. And that's that's been part of the issue for us is we produce so many athletes in this country. And it seems like a lot of our best ones are, are playing sports other than soccer. So it's nice to see that we we got somebody like him who ultimately you know stuck with it and, and chose that sport over another one. And hopefully we get to reap the benefits of that going forward. Now the reason I love this this fact so much is because both Weston and his older brother are avid supporters of my Washington Redskins, whereas his father's a Dallas Cowboys fan. So I'm sure that broke his heart being a Dallas living in Dallas. His father's a Dallas fan, and his son becomes his two sons become Redskins fans. Uh, that had to stick it to them, and I love that. Anytime you can stick it to a Cowboys fan, we suck. So I, I take it any way you can get. <laughs> well, I think Dallas has probably been better than the Redskins for. Yeah, yeah, recently. So I don't, maybe he wasn't that upset about it. Um, maybe, maybe feel yeah. sorry for them. <laughs> uh, topic number or, or uh, fact number four: uh, He actually chose a harder path when choosing Schalke in August 2016. So as a 17-year-old, he's with uh, FC Dallas at this point. He's been with them for seven years already. Um, so the home team there, FC Dallas, wanted him to sign for them. He also had a scholarship to go join uh, University of Virginia to play so- uh, soccer there and a full scholarship. And then also Schalke, as we know, made, a, made an offer to him to come join them when he turned 18. Um, he had no regrets about the, about them joining. What would you do in a situation like that if, if you're 17 years old and you have all these offers? First of all, if I had those offers, I'd be ecstatic because I don't know what I would do. What would you do? Yeah, I mean, it's easy for me to say as a, a little bit older than McKenney now that, you know, I'd go to Europe in a heartbeat kind of thing. It's a lot more difficult to make that decision when you're younger because a lot of these, a lot of times you got to make these decisions when you're, you know, a teenager and very still much, you know, relying on your family, whatever, and, you know, your friend group and um, to kind of to uproot and move somewhere else and not just somewhere else, but a different country overseas, um, you know, where, where you might not have your support system close to you. It's a tough decision, but uh, it's one that I think a lot of us, agree is probably the right decision for a lot of our pro, uh, promising young players. You, you saw Christian Pulisic talk about it um, in his, I think it was Players' Tribune piece recently after the failure to qualify the World Cup, how he thought that that move to Dortmund really made the difference and really gave him um, a competitive boost in, in a very important formative period in his career, um, you know, where if he had stayed in the U.S., he might not be competing for his spot in training every day. And when he goes to Dortmund, you know, every drill, every training session, you have to be giving it 110 um, percent to justify your existence there. And that's that's huge for, for player development. So um, obviously glad that McKenney made that decision. Glad that he's at Schalke. You know, our team uh, would have liked somebody like Jordan Morris to maybe stay there when he got yeah. the offer from Werder Bremen, um, you know, a season or two ago rather than go back to the MLS. But um, yeah. Um. It's it's interesting. Uh, Kristen Pulisic had a, a put an article in the Player Tribune and talking about you know how he got into the, in the whole Dortmund situation. Uh, but he said those years between fourteen and eighteen are so important for a youngster um, at that age because that's when your development is, is is the most important. And so, I mean, you're young at that age. You're not sure really what to do. 
So the fact that he, uh, McKinney, found, said, I'm going to go to Europe and, and, and try my trade there uh, during his most crucial part of his development um, shows that he was serious about becoming a professional. Um, and, I mean, maybe he had some European aspirations as well as far as being like visiting countries and stuff like that. But he knew if he was going to be a, a, a good professional, play for the U.S. national team, he had to go somewhere where he can really challenge himself. And Europe, it was that, it was that over Virginia and also MLS and FC Dallas. Uh, fun fact number five, his mother keeps him grounded. We've talked about this several times. Um, he's quoted as saying where he told the kicker, uh, in, in Germany, he says, I know exactly who I am and where I come from. Uh, my mom would bust my chops if I suddenly start behaving like a star. Um, it's good to see that, you know, he, he's not full of himself. Um, you see too many times, often players at young ages, Johnny Manziel, for example, uh, they get a little stardom and then they let it get to their head and then their careers tank. Um, being grounded is important because that's one you can keep developing as a player but also as a human and um i think that's it's only good things if he if he has family can keep him grounded because uh, you don't want to turn out like that manziel fella yeah um yeah i think it's even more difficult for somebody like weston mckinney who is getting a lot more attention and a lot uh you know more media coverage and is being thrust forward by his club um by virtue of his nationality, right? Um, you know, if he was a player from, you know, I don't know, you know, any other country in Europe, um, is he in the spotlight as much as he is now? Probably not. Uh, you know, United States gets very excited whenever we get these talented young prospects. You know, uh, European leagues trying to put in clubs, trying to push their way um, and get some market share in the United States. And so, you know, it, whether it's Pulisic, whether it's McKinney, guys like these, these are, you know, huge marketing tools for these clubs. And it, that just adds a whole other dimension to, um, you know, not letting your head get too big and that sort of thing when you get all this extra attention that somebody else in his position might might not otherwise be getting. Um, so, yeah, good to see that he's, you know, staying grounded. And, you know, he's only had what, you know, somewhere around probably 10 Bundesliga appearances so far. So um, doesn't have much of a reason to... Uh, be thinking too highly of himself yet anyway. He's got a long way to go, but uh, certainly on the right path. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Uh, fun fact number six, he made his mark on the Schalke U19s. Schalke has a, a famed youth academy with so many great players coming from there. Um, he got a, he got the chance to work with renowned youth coach Norbert Elgert. Um, this is the guy who developed you know, the 2014 World Cup winners, Manuel Neuer, Benedict Havides, Medzut Otsil, and Julian Drexler. For all you young folk, yes, all those players did play for Schalke. Um, so he... You know, operating as a, primarily as a holding midfielder, he enjoyed an excellent campaign with them, notching four goals and three assists, and even captained the side on five different occasions. Um, in the end, Chaka would lose in their U19 Bundesliga semifinal against uh, Bayern Munich uh, on penalties. But McKenney, I guess, had shown enough that he earned promotion to the senior squad in May 2017, like you, like you were saying earlier. Uh, that's, the, that's the only time he made an appearance last year for the team. Um, so, yeah. Um, He's working his way through the team, which is the kind of way you want to. Say. It's a good way. To, that's another way he stays grounded because he's working his way through. He's not. He's not being given all these chances. He's earning it. Yeah, and I think you know maybe some of this kind of happened at a fortuitous time for him as well in terms of you know the managerial upheaval and, and the bad season that we had last year. Maybe the club was a little bit more willing to take a chance on somebody young and, and give them some looks and see if they can inject something into the side. And uh, he obviously took advantage of the opportunities he had to showcase himself at the U19 level. Um, you know, Haji Wright as well is there. He he didn't ultimately get the call up to the first team squad, um, you know, after preseason training. But, uh, you know, good to see that McKinney was able to uh, make a name for himself in, in that, in that little bit of a lower tier and, uh, you know, push his way into the, in the first team. Yeah. Uh, fun fact number seven, you know, you were talking about his, uh, his success. Uh, he led the U.S. the U19s to Slovakia Cup success. So it, he's he's a winner. Not only is he a talented kid, and he's a grounded kid, but he's also a winner. Um, it shows that he can win at different levels, which is good growing up. Um, and the, the fact that I want to get to is number eight, which is he's finally feeling at home at the Ruhr Valley. Um, it's it's, diff- it's difficult when you come to an area in a country that you don't speak the main language. Yeah, he grew up in Germany because his dad lived there, but he's he's an American. He he's from Dallas. Um, but the, I think it helped big time that you know, like you said, Haji Wright was is at Schalke, and Nick Tatagu is also there. He's another American uh, at Schalke, so they can all bond with each other. 
um, and get better acquainted there. And, and I mean, also in the River Valley, we talk about Pulisic is there too. So there's a little niche there, and they can feel at home, not feel homesick as much as as you would if you went somewhere else. Yeah, that's the, that's the hardest thing for you know for a young American player in Europe. It's it's a hard thing for anybody, even people that are in Europe to begin with. You know, you talk about somebody like David de Gea, who is potentially wants to move back to Spain. He's tired yeah. of Manchester. Um, you know, it can be a culture shock. Uh, and it's something you got to kind of fight through. And uh, to whatever extent he's had people around him that have kind of eased that transition, um, that's great. And I'm glad he's feeling at home. And, you know, as I said in the, the Bundesliga Fanatic article, he, you know, he wants to stay at Schalke forever. Um, I think it's a little bit early in his career for him to know that. Uh, hopefully that is the case, though. I remember uh, this has nothing really to do with uh, Weston McKinney, but. Uh, I remember playing uh, a, a season's career mode in, in FIFA several years back when they had Julian Draxler. And Julian Draxler, there's a message sent to me. He said, I feel homesick. I want to leave Schalke. I'm like, you're German. What are you talking about? Yeah, exactly. I have no idea. <laughs> FIFA's anyway, broken. FIFA's FIFA, broken. FIFA is broken. Uh, anyway, uh, the last fun f- – oh, one of the last – second to last f- fun fact, he's a Harry Potter fan. I have no comment on that. I don't know if you do. <laughs> I, uh, you know what? I'm going to make a shocking confession here. Um, I do not know what happens after Order of the Phoenix. I never finished reading the series. Um, and the ones I did read, I actually listened to on tape for the most part. So, uh, I am certainly not a good Harry Potter fan. Um, hopefully we don't have too much crossover between our podcast and maybe Harry Potter podcasts out there. Hopefully don't isolate it or alienate any of our listeners, but Jackie Rowling, if you're listening, you can more than welcome come on the show. We can talk. If you're, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what would you, you say? Hashtag not, a, not an ad? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> um, and the last fun fact, uh, and, and you've mentioned this earlier, uh, he has the longest deal of any current Shaka player. Um, so that's good and maybe not so good because there's some players you'd like to see stay here longer, but there's still plenty of time for other players to ink long deals, especially the young guys like Harit and uh, Mbolo. Yeah, we just keep getting into trouble with the way these contracts are structured where, you know, the end of their contract is coinciding with right when they're uh, starting to get uh, a name for themselves on a little bit of a larger European scale and start becoming attractive to these other clubs. So uh, hopefully with McKinney's age and and the way his contract is set up, uh, we will avoid some of that. Um, It's not like his contract's going to be up, you know, you know, two years from now, maybe when he's really started to establish himself. So we can hold on to him for at least a little bit longer than that and then hopefully beyond that as well. Um, did you watch any of the game, uh, the friendly against Portugal where he was called up? And if so, what'd you make of his performance there? I did. Um, I, I know a lot of my friends weren't, uh, you know, I have, I have some friends that are saying they're looking forward to the, uh, the next world cup in, in 2022, um, because the 2018 <laughs> world cup is, is not happening according to them. It doesn't exist. Um, yeah, I was very eager to, to watch that game though. Um, you know, friendlies can be boring to some people, but it's an opportunity to get a look at talent, especially at this point in a World Cup cycle when you've missed it. Um, talent that you that you might not otherwise get a chance to see, you know, see what else is out there. Um, yeah, and McKinney scored a goal on his debut, and it was a good one, too. You know, dropped the shoulder, yeah. got going the wrong way, finishing the corner, real neat. Um, I'm still waiting for his first Schalke goal, um, but he's shown it in, on, the, on the national team then, so hopefully it won't be too much longer. No, no, I, I, uh, I hope he does too. That goal was definitely uh, very savvy of him. I, you know, he used a little shoulder. That was something kids would do, I think, in a, in a street game or something. Uh, but hey, it worked. And if he can employ that in his arsenal at Schalke and get a goal or more, uh, that'd be welcome. He's been so close with his headers; uh, it's coming. I think once he gets that first one, he'll get a couple in, in spurts. Um, that's if he can still keep get the once Goretzka's back, uh, if he can get the pitch time. But I think he will. I think uh, Tedesco's seen likes what he's seen and is going to keep giving him opportunities, whether it's starting up or uh, off the bench. Oh, all right, Schalke fans, what do you th- what do you think about Weston McKinney? Uh, send us a tweet at so four underscore podcast on Twitter and let us know. Before we uh, close this out, let's uh, let's talk about Augsburg coming up this week. We actually I got two games this week coming up. We got Augsburg. Uh, on uh, Wednesday, I believe. What day is that? Yeah, it's Wednesday. 
And then on and then on Saturday we got another game uh, against. Oh man, things that can slow real quick. Oh, Eintracht Frankfurt. Uh, we won't talk about that game just yet. Oh, we can, I guess, if you want. Let's talk about Augsburg first. Uh, they're seventh in the table. They're 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 a tough team. Um, they seem to play Schalke pretty tough too in the, in the seasons past. Uh, what do you think about this game coming up? Yeah, one of those midweek games um, that I just absolutely love trying to avoid spoilers throughout the day while I'm at work. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I have a lot of coworkers who are aware of my my, my Schalke fandom, and I, I make a point to uh, to tell them, hey, you know, no spoilers for me today, that kind of thing. I messaged all my friends in my group chat. I'm like, hey, I'm going dark. Um, but a, about a month or two ago, whenever the last one was, I thought I was home free. Um, and a uh, random coworker who I was not even aware I've ever talked to soccer before in my life, uh, walks up to me and just goes, uh, "Hey, good win for the Shalkies today!" And I'm like, "You gotta be kidding me!" So, um, <laughs> the Shalkies, whatever that is, uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah. yeah, so that's that's gonna be my Wednesday. Um, hopefully, I can get through that and, and see the game clean without any, you know, information. But yeah, Augsburg, man, I'm I'm looking forward to watching this game because I really haven't actually gotten a chance to see much of them this season. Um, so unfortunately, I'm not gonna be terribly informed about them. But uh, you know, it, very similar from a uh, production standpoint to what Schalke has done so far. Schalke, you know, 23 goals scored, 17 allowed, and uh, Augsburg, 22 and 17. So pretty similar in that regard in terms of the goal difference. And, uh, you know, the records aren't that too much different either. You know, as we mentioned earlier, there's only those four points between three and ten. So, yeah, you know, Augsburg's back in, uh, in uh, you know seventh place, but in terms of results, it's just one or two differences. You know, at this point in the season, that are that are making that difference. So, uh, pretty similar in, in in how their season's going to how Shock was doing so far. Yeah, their results are eerily similar to ours. Uh, they lost or they beat Wolfsburg uh, this yeah this weekend. Actually, they drew uh, Hertha Berlin one one. They beat Mines three to one. I think we beat Mines two to one. Uh, they beat Wolfsburg three, two to one. They lost to Munich three uh, zero. Drew Leverkusen beat Bremen. Uh, lost to Hanover like us. They drew Hoffenheim. So it's it's very similar team to uh, to us really. Same similar results. Do you have a prediction for this game? And what is it? I don't know. Should I go two one for the third week in a row? I've, been, <laughs> I've almost gotten it the last two. You know, I had the it was two two against Cologne. It was one one today. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling it. Let's go. Let's go two one. <laughs> two one. All right. Um, hmm. What am I gonna do? Uh, let's see. Schalke is at home. I am gonna go. Oh man. I'm gonna go two one. I can't. I'll go two one. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna change it then. I'm gonna go three nil with a uh, Fabian Reza hat trick. Oh snap! Oh snap! Three nothing. Reza hat trick. Tedesco, <laughs> if you're listening, you better put him in the lineup. <laughs> yeah, buried DeSanto once and for all. All right, so we both uh, <laughs> we both see uh, Schalke winning against Augsburg. Uh, real quick, do you have any prediction? Early predictions for Eintracht Frankfurt game at Eintracht. No, you know, just another mid-table side, um, you know, with it with a decent start to the season as well. I think they almost have the exact same record as Augsburg, too. You know, it's, it's so tight right now. Um, you know, it, that whole middle of the table outside of outside of uh, Bayern is, is so closely bunched together. There's not a lot separating anybody. So this is going to be interesting. Hopefully we can pick up a couple wins here, start distancing ourselves and, uh, you know, get into a comfortable position with these Europe spots. Yeah, and I think with uh, the lack of winter break to coming up, we don't want to get as many points as possible. So, I mean, yeah, we're all similar right now in points-wise on the table, but you need to start creating that separation, uh, proving to the outsiders that you are uh, a contender. Uh, maybe not for the maybe I mean maybe not necessarily for the Bundesliga title, but though you know we still have a, some faint hope. But also for Champions League, and you want to scare some other teams too. So if you can get two wins, you get two quality points this week. Uh, I think it would do the world of confidence for the team, and hopefully they they start scoring because uh, they've been they've been struggling lately. Uh, that Dortmund game was a, a was a micro was a not a microcosm. It was it was the opposite. In fact, um, it was a yeah. outlier. It was the outlier of the season, if you will. Because uh, they don't score that, they haven't been scoring that many this season. So, but hey, if you can get another shutout or something, um, I'll take it. Uh, but we'll see. Um, that's gonna wrap it up here. You know, keep tuning in each week as we'll bring you the latest with Royal Blues. We want to thank Shaka Fox Soccer, 
Bundesliga fanatic, Bundesliga.com, uh, for providing us tidbits for our podcast today. If there are any topics you would like us to discuss, send us a tweet to, at SO4 underscore podcast on Twitter. Jack, um, where can people find you on Twitter or where else can they find you? I am at JM Mangan on Twitter. Um, it's probably the only per, uh, place worth following me on. And even then it's questionable. So, uh, but yeah, toss me a follow, interact with me. Uh, I'll try to tweet out during some of the Schalke games and, you know, provide some analysis as those are going on. Uh, yeah, let's connect. Yeah, give him a follow because he'll send you some of those Snapchat videos uh, of him talking pregame before the games like he did with, with Gladbach. <laughs> yeah, my uh, my infamous Snapchat series about Schalke to, uh, to all my friends who are listening. You know what I'm talking about, but... Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna subject any of you to that. Don't definitely don't try to find that. <laughs> uh, very good. Uh, once again, I'm Richard Carmen. You can find me on Twitter as well at r underscore k h a r m a n. Until the next pod comes, my friends, stay ready, and we'll be with you soon. Shoots. <laughs>